Welcome to the Life Well-Lived Podcast. I'm Kayla Brandon, a holistic health coach and wellness enthusiast. I am absolutely obsessed with learning about people who live their most authentic lives. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about those who truly live a life well-lived and what they do mentally, spiritually, and physically to get there. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of practical advice on pursuing a life with purpose and passion. This week, I interviewed Courtney Page, founder of the deliciously healthy food blog, A Page of Positivity. Courtney also happens to be a friend of mine and a fellow Michigan native. She's an expert recipe developer, photographer, taste tester, and more. When you follow Courtney, you'll soon realize she loves food, loves to work out, and genuinely loves life. In this episode, we discuss how her relationship to food has changed throughout the years, what made her dive into entrepreneurship after working in interior design, where her recipe inspiration comes from, and how grief has changed her outlook on life. Without further ado, let's get into it. Courtney, welcome to the show. Kayla, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, love that we're neighbors now. Um, it's just like <laughs> the best seeing you walk Georgia and you're in my like you're in my area. It's so weird because we've been connected on Instagram forever, even though we're from the same hometown. Yes. And I remember it was like I think a week after we moved in in August, and I thought I saw someone who looked like your husband, and then I <laughs> saw you next to him with a stroller, and then you were pregnant. And I was like, oh, I think that's Kayla. And then I just decided to yell across the street and then <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, that's a, a perfect segue to your introduction because um, obviously I know you, I would say fairly well. Um, and if people aren't familiar, they might not be familiar with who you are and your story. So could you just tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of what you do in the wellness industry and and kind of your story and how you got there? Okay. I feel like that's a lot of questions wrapped up in one, but I'll start simply with, um, I'm Courtney. I go by Courtney Page on Instagram, all social platforms, and I run the food blog, um, A Page of Positivity. So it's a pun on my middle name. And also as I've grown, I realized it's like, I love protecting my true identity, like for friends and family, it feels a little bit more secure. Um, and I, uh, I just turned 25. I used to be a commercial interior designer and my boyfriend, Jack and I have been together for almost 14 years. So we're middle school sweethearts and post-graduation, we both graduated from Michigan state university. We moved down to Atlanta and we lived there for about three and a half years. And then we both went remote. And when your job is not telling you where you have to live, it opens up, well, the entire United States, but also we have a two-year-old mini golden doodle, Georgia, like you said, and we like to travel and not having family close by means we also don't have a babysitter for her often. <laughs> so we were heavily influenced to come back to Michigan. Um, I also have two younger sisters who are both seniors, one in high school and one in middle school, or college, sorry. Um, and so looking at that, looking at our wedding calendar that we have upcoming, we're in that season of life. And we just decided to come back to Michigan. I had to uh, phrase it with my family like, okay, it's just going to be a year because we, we just weren't sure if we wanted to come back and settle down, if we want to move somewhere else. Um, we loved Atlanta. We loved our friends. Um, it was just it kind of felt like the chapter was closing. So we came back here. And in July of 
this past July, I took my um, food blog at Page Positivity full time, which whew, that has been a journey. We will get into that. Um, the best one, if I could put it simply. And um, now I work for myself and Jack still works remote in our townhome that you have the same floor plan of. And um, I think that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I love when people give like a holistic overview because you're right. It is a lot of questions wrapped into one, but I think it kind of gives the audience a, a good overview of what topics we could get into in the interview. So I'm so glad you touched on really like this broad spectrum of your life. Um, and I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me because I know, as you mentioned, you're a, you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, and you are very busy. So I'd love to dive into the food section first. So you sure. had your food blog for how many years now? I think five. Six. So I started my um, yes in college. I started my Instagram only, and I I say that because I did not. I influencing is to me solely social media. It's TikTok, Instagram, maybe Facebook, but blogging. You have a website, and you are running everything on the back end. So I started my Instagram when I was a junior in college. And I actually started it because I was um, battling an eating disorder, which I know we were we're going to dig into too. Um, and I found a community in that space that was really vulnerable and open to talking about it. Um, and that was right when Instagram, like right when you started to follow different influencers. And I noticed a lot of these food bloggers, they were truly bloggers at the time, or still are. Um, they were they would have a blog um, article about my eating disorder or um, theirs as mine um, and all these different things that I just had not heard people talk about other than when I was in therapy. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, this is refreshing. Um, and so then, so that was early or late to 2018 and then um, 2020, um, May of 2020, right? Two months after the pandemic struck, um, I realized that I was annoyed with Instagram and it's ever changing algorithm. And I was really debating, do I want to throw this in the towel and just stop? I didn't feel like I was contributing. Like I was just quote unquote posting pretty pictures of food at the time. They were iPhone six bad lit images, but I'm hard on myself. Um, and now, and so, and then I decided, okay, or I could start a blog because I could direct traffic there. I could monetize it. And I decided to go with a blog. And then in January of 2021, I my blog was like ready to go, quote unquote. And um, I hit the ground running and I've released over 300 published recipes on my blog. So in under eight, almost two years. Um, and I have, I'm now like two to three months ahead of work in terms of recipes. I am, I've absorbed and learned so many things in the past two years, and it has been the best labor of love that I've put my effort into. What a scary thing to do, though, like leave what's comfortable, uh, which is obviously like your job, for something that, you know, Instagram definitely changes way more than, you know, Google ads and SEO um, but it's still like, it's still a scary jump. Did you feel like that was something that you would, you could see yourself doing? Like when you were in college, did you ever even imagine that this would be kind of a career path for you? 
Oh gosh, no. Um, and I I feel like the more people I talk to, the more people, it just started as a hobby. It was just for fun. It was an outlet. Um, and it really was. And I graduated um, with a Bachelor of Interior Design. And so I knew that I wanted to go out and prove myself as an interior designer. Um, commercially, I felt like when people talk about interior design, they don't realize the like everything inside a commercial building is done by an interior designer everything down from like the MEP plans mechanical electrical plumbing everything inter and also the pretty pillows and those fun things that you see the end result of however um the interior design industry is tough and it is um honestly I would say it's probably like a step up from um like a baseline teacher salary from what I'm familiar with. And so it is a grind. And I realized pretty quickly that I wanted to make more money. I I have so many business, marketing, ad agency, all these people that I surround myself with. Um, and also as a millennial, I feel like it's much more common to talk about salaries other than what my, my parents tell me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am missing out on so much. Like, what else can I do to supplement this? Um, and so that's when I started earning money off Instagram. And I was like, listen, if I can earn money off Instagram, then I can earn money off of a blog, freelance photography, anything that goes into it. Okay, now now I have a business. <laughs> I, know what you, I know what you mean about the salary thing. Like people older than us, because I am also a millennial, although older <laughs> than you. Um, I just feel like they're so uncomfortable talking about salary. And it doesn't mean you have to say, this is how much I made, or, you know, these are my benefits. But you can say it's comparable to this position, which is pretty well known. Like teachers don't, they do not make as much as they should, frankly, like right. in, in across the board, wherever, wherever you're living in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's, admirable for you to recognize this is what I want for my life. I want to be compensated fairly because I feel like at the end of the day, that's really what you want. It's not like you're, you know, 22 and trying to be, you know, making six figures right off the bat. You just want to be able to live your life and not be on food stamps because you went to college right. for this. It's not like you went straight out of high school and took a minimum wage position. Like you went to, you have mm -hmm. student debt potentially. Like it just doesn't make sense to me how people aren't paid fairly, especially in fields like that. Yes. And I feel fortunate that I had the opportunity, one, that I, I had a good starting offer, but also when you look at it and be like, oh my gosh, she left her corporate job. I wasn't leaving this six figure salary. It was less than half that. And I was like, I can, I see the numbers on the blog side. So for the two years that I was trying to grow my freelance work and sponsored stuff, all of that money was being dumped back into my blog, website, learning, courses, photography, camera gear to prepare for when I would take it full time. Um, and I didn't know that I wanted to at first. I just, um, I think it's really cool when food bloggers publish income reports because it gives you a look behind the curtain to be like, hey, wow, these are what a typical month's expenses are. And then this is what's off ad revenue. So you do the hard work and you SEO, build build a recipe, develop it, photograph it, and you put it out there. There are There's data behind every recipe and the way that it's written to do well in search results and 
four things. And so if you're following those things for your blog, you almost can't not succeed. So me knowing that, I'm like, all right, now I'm going to succeed. I got this. <laughs> I love that you're so passionate about the business side because I do think like, especially if it starts out as a hobby, most people don't realize how much work goes into it if you turn it into something that then becomes your full-time job. So how has that transition been for you? Do you still love cooking as much as you did before, like cooking and baking? Um, yes. I Baking is much harder because it's it's really a science. Um, cooking is – I feel like it comes so natural to me. It's so fun. I also – I use a lot of my design background in terms of like – the seven principles of design and elements of color and principles of really aesthetically looking things in photography. And so when I'm taking, I've taken two photography courses, we're talking about all the same things my first two years of college were. Um, and so for me to kind of be able to design food every day, I'm still using my degree in a sense. Um, but I, I've never kind of looked back and been like, oh, so far. I mean, it's been six months. But I, I, I had also two really interesting experience, experiences in corporate. One was a bigger company. One was just off the ground and running. And I realized I really didn't want to give my life to the career that would take me 30 years to climb the ladder, specifically in the field. And... From there, I've been so content. I, I really, a lot of me just wishes what I would have done this sooner, like year and a half, two years sooner. Um, but I also know I wouldn't have the strong financial foundation that I have now because I was diligent and I made sure I checked all my boxes. And then when the time felt right, it was still a little leap, but it was like a, okay, this is just like a long, a long stride instead of a <laughs> long jump. <laughs> Yeah, I think the financial piece is huge. Um, it's not always about the money, but I think a lot of people can jump into something without considering all of the investments that you have to make financially. Like you mentioned, the courses, the camera gear, and the continued education because I'm sure things are going to change and you might – it's one thing to like read an article about you know, how to make a TikTok or whatever, but it's so different than taking maybe a course on how to – manage your social media account as a business owner because it always changes like you mentioned I mean Instagram I think everyone's pretty sick of it at this point it's every I mean you can't master it there's no way to master it and maybe that's why people keep coming back because they're trying to master something that you just can't um, I'm not entirely sure but yeah the investment yeah. piece I'm glad you, you spoke about because that's so important because that's that's how you build a business and I think I was so I, – I am in a few mentorship groups, and I, I talk to so many different food bloggers. I look at them like my coworkers. Honestly, I look like – I mean, you're one of my coworkers, people that I've met on Instagram that I'm able to bounce a question off here and there. And I come back to them like, oh, wow, I've really paid for a lot of courses. Like, I've put a lot of money into me learning it. Um, but I can't imagine not doing that. Like, it was – it just – I was like, this is, this is how you learn. You pay for something like, let, let's do it. Now groceries are expensive. There are sometimes like, I'm not going to make, um, mahi mahi tacos every day. Like some days I'm like, okay, soup it is like, there's a good balance of those things, but I try to make it strategic in a way where both me and the business benefits. Yeah. 
So let's get yeah. back to the the origin story of mm-hmm. who taught you how to cook because that was going to be my first question and we totally jumped into it head first. So who taught you? Because I'm you're so if uh, you're, you're such a natural. I feel like. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm the oldest of four girls, and my mom is a like people say, girl boss. She excels in her career. She climbed the ladder. She's been at her company for 32 years and the hardest worker I know. Like I just, she, she told me as a kid, you could be anything you want, not a tax accountant. I was like, check. I went design. Um, but that meant that she spent a lot of time at work and traveling. Um, and so my dad was really the soccer dad. God love him. Um, he loves tacos. He, he would make tacos, sloppy joes, hungry Howie's pizza. Um, we were well fed. It was a balanced diet. Um, but I would really, I really think after my youngest sister was born, um, I was seven at the time, but then that was like four. When I, I feel like when I became 11, when I started dating Jack, I was like, okay, I can like cook. I'm, I'm I can understand the kitchen. I love to start go grocery shopping. Um, and I'll never forget the first time I bought an avocado, like avocados. I don't feel like they existed when not existed, but just like they weren't as normal in a healthy lifestyle than what they are today. Like it's so normal to grab an avocado. No, it was not normal for, I was like, I think I want to try this. I cut it open and then I stored it in a brown bag in the cabinet for three days and I opened it up and it was moldy. And I was like, what in the world is this? Um, so the fact that I've gone from there to a food blog is wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's inspiration to but us I, all. <laughs> I feel like I just started to explore. Um, I was always encouraged, if not forced to f- finish my food and it was well balanced. So I w- was not a picky eater. Um, and then I would say probably like mid high school, that's when Pinterest started. And I was like, oh, there's not only crafts, but there's recipes. Um, and so I'd take it, I would screenshot the pictures I was seeing, um, and then we would try to recreate it. And I feel like from there, it snowballed. Wow. Like, then it was just normal. So you were kind of self-taught a little bit, but like inspired by yeah. social media, even though it was in its infancy at that time. Yeah, I would say that. And also... Ever, like my parents are both great cooks. It's not, they don't have any culinary background, but they're not afraid to, my mom can make something out of nothing and clean out the fridge dinners. Um, and it, we were always trying new things, like just so many different foods that I was, I felt like I had a good grasp, grasp on different flavor profiles, how they paired together, what might be good. Um, and then in college, I mean, it was like, the dorm had everything. I loved cafeteria food. Michigan State is like they have a really, really robust culinary like program that they just give great food in the calf. So I learned a lot from like trying new foods there and yeah, self-taught. We'll go with that. Self-taught. Self-taught with like yeah. a little bit of inspiration um, sure. from the people in your life. Um, mm-hmm. Have you always had a good relationship with food? Because I know you mentioned a little bit before like having – an eating disorder. And I know that you are really, you know, open and honest about it, but I think a lot of people assume that food bloggers are just foodies and that they just love food and that's why they're doing it. Yes. And I can confidently say today, right now, I have lived without an eating disorder for almost four and a half years. I've 
lived ed free. Um, and I do pro proclaim myself as a foodie and I love food. Um, but it took a lot of time. It took me six years to get there. Um, in high school, I really briefly, I felt like I was always the kid that quote unquote could eat anything. Like my friends would be like, Oh my God, you can eat anything and nothing ever shows until one day I thought it showed up on my body and I didn't like the way that looked. And I was like, okay, how do I lose this? And I went to Pinterest, found anything and everything that Pinterest was offering at the time. They have now banned those type of ads. And the, you know, I feel like you could just picture the clip art, like mm -hmm. woman silhouette with the measuring tape around your waist, like, oh, lose seven pounds before spring break. All this garbage, really. And um, so I resorted to that. And for my junior and senior year, I um, didn't eat a lot. I was working out. I was an athlete, soccer, basketball, and I was tiny. I was, I'm like, I'm 5'9". I'm a, I'm a tall girly. I'm strong. Um, but at the time, I was just over 100 pounds, and I was not nourishing my body enough. Um, but, you know, it wasn't like a, she might be anorexic or she might have a problem. It was just oh, she's like, I'm still growing. Like it wasn't really a concern because I was so athletic. And I think at that point, my parents started to have cues of going back to uh, the cooking. My dad growing up made our lunches every day and he made gourmet sandwiches. Like when we were in elementary school, it started from like homemade tortilla wraps with like stuff in it. And then by senior year, I was eating like a toasted uh, breaded chicken sandwich with green apple slaw and cranberry sauce and brie. And that was just like a lunch. Like, so I really do need to give him more credit than what I just did. <laughs> I was um, going to say that is not the lunch that I grew up with, like turkey no, sandwich. No, and no one else. And so I had people that be like, oh my God, can I have a bite? Like girls really, just my friends. And so I gave the sandwiches away at lunch and I would have like a, the pretzels, little bag of pretzels, carrots, some apples, water. And then if I had a different snack, um, and then I went to college and I had no idea how to work out. I was this athlete for years. And then freshman year, I'm like, Ooh, okay. So I'll do the Stairmaster. I'll climb to the Eiffel tower to the top and back. And then I'll do 10 minutes of core. Sure. Um, and that was kind of my workout. I felt like it was like three to four times a week in, in hindsight, it was really healthy. Like it was like, okay, this feels good. Um, it was never, it was like a 35, 40 minute workout. Um, and I was eating dorm food and I loved it. I thought it was great. And then I moved into the sorority house sophomore year. And that's really where my relationship with food changed. You're with 50 women. Um, but I came in feeling pretty good about it and then about my body and lifestyle. And I left with, um, two months worth of diet pills and I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life because of just like the social atmosphere of the sorority house cook in general was not healthy. There was mayo and butter on everything, which listen, I love mayo and I love butter, but I do not love it on a salad or on my chicken breast or everything else. Like there's ways to use it that are beneficial for your body. Um, and that was where it, again, snowballed. Um, junior year, I thought I could be healthy if I ran a marathon. I was not a runner, but I was like, or a half marathon, sorry. So I ran it with my best friend. And then I also, I took on 
so much more than what I could, what I physically should have taken on. Um, and I also have all of this in a blog post. It's my eating disorder journey. I'll give Caleb a show note if you really want the, like, it's 10 pages on a Google document when I typed it. So you can get all these details, um, junior year. And I also have a skin disease. Um, and so I was, I was going into a lot of appointments because it was flaring up and it's psoriasis. So it's just like plaque pieces of skin on your body. And aesthetically, I was a college girl and I did not want that on my legs and arms. And you could see it in a lot of like outfits. And I was, I felt really just, um, uncomfortable. People started asking what was on it. And it made me think that they were looking at my, my body more than what they should have been. Um, and that's where the, the mental game came into it. Um, and finally by mid junior year, I had ran the half marathon in October. I started, I basically could cut, I cut out anything and everything that I could from a diet other than like, basically, I think I was trying to eat whole 30, but I would also have a jar of nut butter, literally a jar. Like That sounds like days. whole 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I can't have anything else other than like nuts. And so that will be my dessert. Um, and by January, I was like, had shin splints in both legs barely could walk, was still trying to work out three times a day, crying at all these doctor appointments. And they were like, I really think you need to go see someone like about just, you, you have so much anxiety about what you're describing. Um, so then I booked an appointment with the Michigan State uh, University Registered Nutrition. Um, I won't say her name for <laughs> privacy, but she changed my life. And there's actually, uh, Michigan State has an eating disorder team for undergrads. Um, and there was eight women, a psychiatrist, a therapist, and a nutritionist. I saw said nutritionist first week of February or mid-February, and I had my first appointment. I was like, okay, so that's it. We're done, right? She's like, oh, no, you will be coming to see me every week. In addition, here's a therapist number. You like, There's a lot of emotion tied to food that I can't help you fix, but she can, and she's on my team. So then I did that for a year, so into my senior year, and then about after a year, my both of them together were like, we think we need to, we think we would recommend medication if you're open to it because there's still so much anxiety around food, and we are seeing you every week, and we are trying, and you're trying, and we just want to help you if this can help you. So I saw a psychiatrist, explained the whole, you know, last five years, and then I started on an anxiety medication, and within six months, my life was so much different in the best possible way, um, and I found a workout um, program that I loved. I also um, figured out kind of how to eat for my body, understanding, honestly, macro macronutrients that go into food to fuel my body, um, and then it was about two years, well, that was when I moved to Atlanta. Like, I feel like I, I've really been recovered for about three years now. And so we've been out of Atlanta for six months. Um, but recovery is so not linear. And it is, I kind of relate it to the Doppler effect. Like, it can come and go. And if it's close, it's loud. It's so loud. But the farther away it is, the less you notice it. And when it's really far away, you don't notice it at all. Um, and I feel like I've, that's been my phase for the last two and a half years at least. That's awesome. I'm I'm so happy that you got the help that you needed in college because so many women 
silently struggle and then they try to kind of like self-diagnose and then just kind of heal on their own but without the help of a professional I feel like you can't really wrap your arms around disordered eating or an eating disorder in general and I feel like pretty much every woman I've ever worked with as a health coach has some form of an eating disorder or disordered eating whatever phrase they want to use I personally feel like it's kind of the same because disordered eating you might not have as many rules it might not be as loud as in the terms that you used but it Mm -hmm. is like a rigid lifestyle surrounding food and it, it is tied to emotions so to me, um, I just feel like most women I know, with maybe like the exception of one or two unicorns, have mm-hmm. just a really disordered relationship with food that just kind of ebbs and flows, I, like you said. I would agree. And I I don't want to classify anyone here by any means, but I feel like really people that talk about their eating disorder are people that have had treatment and uh, help from registered professionals that they they put the label on it like there's mm-hmm. the label yeah that, once you say that there's that's what it is okay okay I now I have an eating disorder but I totally agree with you it's um I actually think probably one unicorn is my mom and I give again give her a lot of credit in the sense that raising four daughters I never once heard my mom talk about a diet she went to her workout classes when she could when it fit in to move her body and um I do also have to say like she is thin by nature, so she does have thin privilege, so that could have played into it. Um, but I, I like it did not stem from feeling inadequate within my home. It was like a social presence and people commenting on food and thinking, "Oh my gosh, well, if they say that, what else are we thinking?" You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually yeah. shocked that you survived all of middle school without having some sort of like disordered relationship with food, because I think. From my, like I said, my experience working with women like this, it it often stems like right when you hit that middle school era, like 11, 12, 13. Um, And it's when you're kind of sizing yourself up against the other girls in your class. And if someone's smaller Mm -hmm. than you and you're not feeling comfortable and you're kind of wanting to maybe like date or talk to boys for the first time, it does make you feel inadequate. So um, I can totally see how people – don't get the help they need because it's so normalized. Do you know what I mean? Like that's normal for a woman to look at another woman and say, oh, I wish I was skinny like her, you know? Like, oh yeah. Because that's how it all starts, I think, for most people. Yes. And I think now I feel like I really had to go from full diet to the opposite end of swing of the pendulum to Mm anti-diet. And I was, in my recovery, I really had to be anti-diet for two years but I had to be openly anti-diet because I was like, why are, why are we not saying anything about this? No, no, that's wrong. Like my grandma would comment on something on Thanksgiving and I would be like, grandma, we don't comment on other people's food. Right. And so I felt like I was like actively like teaching my younger sisters and just people around me, especially my, my boyfriend, Jack. Oh gosh, love him. Um, he, there'll be times where like, Oh, but we don't comment on people's food. Do we now Courtney? And because they'll be like, Oh, do you want some more? It's like, are you commenting on my food? And he says it in good humor because we've ju- we've been through this. Like, it's now we can make light of it when at times it was so dark. It was so so dark. Um, so yeah. And how do you how do you develop recipes now, knowing that like all of this is in the past? I feel like putting myself in your position, 
let's say you're developing a recipe for like a Christmas cookie, something that obviously is going to use real butter, real sugar. Like this isn't a healthy recipe by any means, although you have many healthy recipes on your website. It's there's going to be those times of year and like we're currently in it. Um, How do you approach that? Like you obviously have to taste test it. Do you ever feel like nervous? Because I'm just putting myself in your position and like even me, someone who hasn't had an eating disorder in many years, but did have recent disordered eating like in the past five years, I would be like nervous every time I would bake thinking like, I have to try this. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, because I think when I first started my Instagram, I was very nervous about how I was going to consume all this food or mentally how I thought I should consume all this food from everything I saw people post. So the first two years, they weren't really recipes. It was more of just like, here's my dinner, here's my breakfast. So I guess it was a recipe within it, but I didn't really talk much about like how to prepare something or here's an idea for a substitution. Um, and I that's pivotal in the sense that for every recipe, I am trying to address users' needs. And if they want to replace real butter with vegan butter or things like that, I will have to say, I did not test this, or I did test this, and this is how it came out. This is what I would recommend. But um, example, I have Cookie Week happening live right now. So I have six new cookie recipes that are coming out. Two weeks ago, it was a cocktail recipe, or cocktail week, where I had five new cocktails. And I I love a cookie. I, I love a glass of wine, whatever. But I do not like them. I do not like cookies five days in a row. I do not want to drink five days in a row. So I essentially started testing two to three months ago. And so I'd be like, oh, Friday's here. Let's test a cocktail recipe. And that would be every Friday for five weeks or every other Friday or just wherever it fit in. And the same with the cookies. So that way it's not all at once and it feels like an enjoyment. Because if I felt like I had to eat all these cookies, I would... Well, first off, I never feel like I have to eat anything. It's my choice. And really, it's the epitome of intuitive eating that I was trying to chase all of these years. But once you have something in your house and it's you're used to it being there, you get to choose if you want to eat it. So like I've had cookies. I had cookies today. I don't think I had cookies yesterday. But it was because I just didn't, it didn't sound good. I was like, yeah, they'll be there tomorrow. And that's something crucial that I learned in therapy was that you have to give yourself an option. And if the option, if you're eliminating it by not even buying it, then you're you're setting yourself up to binge it when the time comes. Now, I did have to go through binge eating to get to intuitive eating. I think that's a big step that people overlook um, in the sense that you go from not having it to having it. Of course, your body's going to, like, your, your mind is going to say, you have to eat all of this right now. Um, going back to the cookies and things that are happening. I do give food away. Um, I give my neighbors love it. I texted you when I said I had extra cookies and I I do still have them if I want to bring them over. Um, I go to group fitness classes where I will just drop some off to the instructors. And that's similar to, I would say a lot of my dessert and holiday baking recipes in the sense that Jack and I are two people. We do not need 18 muffins. Like, and I don't want to waste them. Like, I, they're good muffins. Let's give them away. Um, I think that also 
sounds very privileged, like, oh, I can just donate food all the time. But it's strategic in the fact that it's not every day. It's only a couple times a month. I mean, January, I won't even touch cookies because no one's going to be making them. It won't be probably till summer until I do another blog recipe. Um, so I just try to pair the good for the soul food with the good for the, the body food. Um, and I do a mix of that every week. So I kind of look at my, my upcoming blog post and I say, okay, if I have six dinner recipes and I want to sprinkle in two desserts, great. But I will not say never say never, but I really just don't do not like having six dessert recipes because then it doesn't give me a good base for me at lunch or dinner or other meals that I really crave that that healthy lifestyle. Like I love eating healthy. I also love eating sugary stuff yeah. sometimes. Like it just, it's a good balance. And I feel like balance is overrated, like the word itself. But does that sound like a good answer? <laughs> it is a good answer. It's the right answer because okay. it's your answer, which is what I looked for. Um, my, my question for all the food blogger friends that I have is how the heck do you come up with so many different recipes? Like, do you ever run out of ideas? And where does it, where does your inspiration come from? Because sometimes I feel like my weekly dinner rotation is like rotating the same 10 recipes just like every other week, every other week. And like, mm. just I'm constantly going to Pinterest okay. and trying to find something. I'm going to try not to geek out on you here because this is where I, I love it. I love the data behind food blogging because it's there. So essentially I have three different working documents. And if you're like, I want to learn more about this, go to my Instagram highlight. I have a blogging behind the scenes. Check that out. You can read the whole thing. I do all these like little voiceovers with uh, me pointing to my spreadsheets. It's kind of fun. Anywho, um, I have three different spread spreadsheets. And if I, I will go through usually by quarter. So January or first quarter, I already have it. And it's a running document where I just like, I'll look at Pinterest. I'll look at things I've saved. What do I want? Honey baked salmon and or uh, boneless chicken wing, whatever I want to put. And I just type it out. And then my assistant and I tag team and we go through um, every single bullet point and we break down um, what would be a ranking title in Google. So you use different um, plugins to see the search volume and then also the domain authority per website. And the goal is to get first page on Google. So if I know that that's the goal, because that's going to bring me the most monetization every single day, organic traffic, that's what we're seeking. If I know that, that let's say honey baked salmon without lemon, that might, it might be as specific as that, but if that's getting 2 million searches and it has a low um, recipe index already, I should shoot for that. But if it's the best chocolate chip cookie in the world, I'm a small blogger. I am never, ever going to rank for that when there's, I don't know, 1 billion results. So we go through all of those things, and then that's my running document. And I'll go through each month and kind of highlight, like, okay, this is what, what I want to do in October, because then that will kind of initiate my assistant to start doing the research on, like, what FAQs need to be um, answered, what type of ingredients maybe we need to avoid or include. Um, and then once I, once I decide it's going to be photographed, 
it goes on a sticky note on my wall as like my little to-do list. And then it goes to the blog post recipes, Google document, where it is a draft outline of everything that's going to be in WordPress, which is the hosting site or host. Yeah. The host that is my website's on. Um, and so that makes it easy because then all of the info is in there and it gets copy and pasted when it's time to go to the live version of the blog post. And then from there, we have a like 30 column Excel sheet for once it's been published and how to source it to social, putting backlinks in there that's important for other recipes, making sure that everything, like all the different things are updated. Um, and then once it goes live, then it's time for me to share it on social. So that's what the pretty picture is on Instagram. That's a small part wow. of that job. Um, but that's where I get the inspiration because it is never dull. It challenges me. Um, I would never think to make like a fig and strawberry pie. I would just do a strawberry pie, but that's not ranking. So fig and strawberry pie it is. Um, and so we do it by season and then we'll also break it down by holiday. Um, and that's the way that all the A-page of positivity recipes find a way on the blog. And sometimes I call them different things on Instagram because it's not as specific. It doesn't have to be. You might just see salmon, but it's a salmon recipe when specific keywords are needed for Google. So Right. Yeah, I used to be a journalist, so I know when you're talking about like the SEO stuff and then we would test, we'd call it like A-B testing, so we would test a headline. Mm -hmm. And then within, I mean, within 10 minutes, if it wasn't hitting the way that it should normally hit, um, we would try the other headline. And then if that one tanked we'd go to like the c headline so like abc and then we would just end have to end up picking at least one because you can't just keep changing the headline of an article but people don't know that news organizations do that all the time because like Mm. to your point you are searching for something right like a news story and you're usually usually searching like what happened maybe a name maybe like you know a car accident i mean not car accident but like some anything that could have happened and maybe someone that was involved so um, I just really appreciate the honesty that you have around the business side of things because I feel like a lot of bloggers kind of like hide Don't their secrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're gatekeepers of how to, how to start this or how to build a successful business that actually makes money because so many people do mm. this just for fun. Um, and to learn like kind of the ropes or just even just get some insight on what like a day looks like as a food blogger, like who does this for a living now is yes. so insightful. It is. I I love talking about it, and I also love. I so appreciate my peers that are willing to discuss. Um, and I think there. I think the biggest like realization for me was that so many people on Instagram that have a big Instagram following but a blog. I used to think that they had all their ducks in a row, and after I've like personally tried to audit their site and figure out what they're doing, and then hear from professionals that that's not what you should be doing. It was just like, huh, okay, yeah, you actually don't know what you're doing. But that's not my place. Like, that's just good information for me to know that, like, you can fake it till you make it and make it look good. But if my goal is to have a banging website and have, you know, million hits of a year or a month, then I am not going to take what you're doing and I'm going to do my own thing and find different ways to source it. There's a few bloggers that are really good about, like, this is what I do for taxes and whatever, but a lot of them don't. And I think it's because they, we don't, they don't know how to talk about it. It's yeah. like, 
they're not sure what they're doing. So you can't give that advice. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that if you have a huge social media following that you that you make a ton of money. And mm. I feel like that couldn't be further from the truth because some people who have a big following just – they don't really do anything with it. It's more just like vanity. And mm-hmm. they don't really ever monetize it to like the full extent that they could. But then you have these other influencers, bloggers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. That have just more of like a modest following. It's still big, but nothing like a million, two million followers. And they actually Mm -hmm. make way more than these other accounts. Like it's crazy. I've talked to so many people like this where I'm shocked at how much they make. And they're, they've just got, you know, maybe like a hundred thousand followers and they make way more than someone that's like one, two, three million. I remember um, a blogger told me, she was like, don't count on your website to bring me that much. Like, it doesn't bring me that much. I was like, oh, really? Like, that's all. I was kind of disappointed, but I'm also like, I'm not making enough from what else I'm doing. So what am, <laughs> yeah. how am I going to make lose? this? And now I'm like, oh, no, no, you don't, you don't know what you can do with this. And I like, I'm just at, I feel like I'm at the very bottom of my exponential growth curve. Like I am, I'm, it's going up a little bit, but we're about to skyrocket and just things that I've done in the past six months for my website. Our return on investment is so high that I'm so excited to just keep making recipes and building a better site for users. Um, and also blogs take time. Like I did not realize that I thought I could just be like, I, I guess in hindsight, I've, it takes people years to get their ads on their blog. And I did it in about a year and a half, only six months focusing on SEO. And I was, I'm very blessed. Like I'm really proud to say that. Um, but I also am like, if I would have known what I know now, like eight months ago, I feel like I'd be making so much more. Okay. How do we change this? And so I, I can't wait for like in five years to see what this, my blog is making me like, I am so excited. I'm so excited for you. I feel like you, you've just spent the past six months, like really focused on your business. And I, it's, it's so different than doing it on the side, like doing it on the side, you don't get the full attention. It's kind of like you're like, this is fun, but like, is this possible? But once you do it full time, like you, like someone told me in Chicago, he burned all of his boats in the water. He's like, there's no going back. Like I have to swim to shore. And that's basically what he was doing with his fitness business Um, because he was like, yeah, you you can't have a plan B. You just have to like go press forward. Um, And I feel like that's what it kind of sounds like that's what you're doing. Although interior design for commercial real estate is always going to be there. True. And I also think, and I, I don't want to say this, I mean, this is the most like literal way in terms of me taking a step to my business, but like the worst that happens is that I just go back and get another job. Mm-hmm. Like it's that simple. And I think there's, there's a lot of hype about taking, like making your own business. But I also like, I started making money from this, from Instagram four years ago. And so it has really it has exponentially grown every single year and in the first year it was 4000 then it was 16 and then it was 48 and so like if you look at those numbers okay yeah great let's keep going and that wasn't even without that was wasn't even with blog ad revenue um but i also i have some influencer friends that quit their job and then are struggling cuz we're in our mid 20s and we're not supposed to have it figured out and they're like i think i should get a job here or whatever but like, what? Who's stopping you? Just I've even thought like maybe I would want to be a Pilates instructor, or do this, but really just for fun, not because I'm. I guess also I do feel 
Like I have a good grasp on things where I'm, I'm, it's, it's just like, it's a real job now. I pay myself every month. The money's coming in. It's not where I'm pinching pennies. And so when you don't have to worry about that, then I kind of look at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, we're doing it. There's no questions asked here. Yeah. I love, I just, I love your story, especially because I've known you for as long as I have, and I've seen it kind of like skyrocket and it's so cool to see what you've done with it. Um, I'm just really proud of you and I'm proud of all the growth that you've had like internally too. I know that you're very open about grief and loss and like someone in your twenties, usually you don't experience those things. Like I'm early thirties and even me to have like loss in my life is unusual. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just wonder like, how has that changed your perspective on life because this is the life well-lived podcast and it's holistic it's about everything so we, we love business we love wellness and we love food and all the good stuff um but like really at the end of the day like you want your life to be a life well-lived so how has grief and loss influenced you living your best life um love the question that is a great question now I feel like I'm going to be a little bit more somber just because I want to give a trigger warning to anyone who has ever experienced grief and I'm two and a half years into it. I don't have the right words, but with having a public platform and going through something so traumatizing as losing my sister, it rocked my world. I did not know how to move on. And to do that in a, with people watching you and knowing it and trying to grow through grief you most days just feel like you're putting one step in front of the other. And my blog, I decided in May of 2020 that I was like, okay, I'm going to build a blog. And then I lost my sister in June of 2020. And my blog truly was the only thing that like pulled me out of bed. And like, I wanted to do something on it. Um, Again, going back to corporate, I had a horrible, horrible situation. And I was offered, I had no bereavement. I was in Atlanta. It was the middle of COVID and I was expected back in the office within a week. Um, My boss compared my situation to losing her father who was like 80. Um, And I think in, there are so many other things that I probably shouldn't say because of like, you know, HIPAA and HR, which was not existent in that company. Um, Not even HIPAA, not HIPAA. Um, But it was like, I just felt like it was one bad thing after the worst life changing, altering the worst experience you'll ever, one of the worst experiences you'll ever go through for me as a human, I think um, that the blog was something that I saw a potential in. And then I saw that it was my potential to get out of corporate and I used that and I decided that I was going to go literally balls to the walls. We were doing it all. And so I worked a lot on my blog while I was still working corporate because we were at home and I didn't have a lot of work to do. And so I used that time. Um, I will say that as a 20, 22 year old at the time, I did like, um, I don't want to say rebel because that was not the case, but like, I just took matters into my own hands and I was not going to take um, shit for my bosses that I was already taking for the past three months. Um, and so I, I cherished family time. I got home as many times as I could and to which they did not see eye to eye on. Um, and so I stuck it out for a year because 
because I was smart in the sense that I was dumping money into my 401k and I did not get my 401k match unless I stayed there for a year. And so I was like, you know what? For this year, I will put everything I have into this blog. I will watch myself. I will pull myself out of this company to go somewhere else. Um, and I had a lot of moments in between so much grief that Jack, my boyfriend was like, court, what are we doing here? Is this, is this what we want to be doing there? I was working like 20 hour days just to like try to be better at my blog. Um, and just learning and figuring it out. But also I had a grief brain for, I would say the first like eight months, you know, that was summer and then holidays and you were really just trying to do your best in times where you can't really, frankly. Um, and so you have a lot of people that help you up and carry you through that because I would not wish it upon anyone. It's something that I would never, ever wish for a parent, watch my parents go through that. Um, and I learned a lot about life in ways that I did not want to learn about life. However, that being said, I am now to a point, well, I don't, you never, you absolutely never move on, but you, time does help and people's experiences and knowledge and life just, it, it makes you appreciate the little things. And I absolutely hate that it takes something so gut-wrenching and loss of a loved one and a sister and a sibling and a best friend to show you that because I would take that all back in a second. However, um, I am just so proud of what I decided to do with it. So sorry. And um, to look back when I quit my design job in July and I was like, I am doing it. This is what's happening. I look back and I'm like, wow, that taught me a lot, but I wish I never had to go through that. And I feel so much lighter every day and connecting and making people, I think recipes bring people together. They bring people together in kitchens and families and they're shared. Um, it's also a way for me to share my sister Emily's recipes with people that have never met her. Um, and my mom's famous carrot cake in famous, I'm going to make that thing famous, things like that, that, um, you don't realize how small like a family dinner is or that any family thing is until you do not have part of your family. Everyone is so naive to grief and death until it physically happens to someone that you care about. And, um, it is <laughs> a mentor who lost, um, a loved one years before I lost my sister flat up told me right after people are going to say stupid shit. And I was like, Oh, all right. Like, wow. Holy cow. That could not have been more true. And I actually think I needed to hear that because it made everything that people stupidly said almost laughable, but like to myself or I just think that and this is a personal experience, but like 
I still, when I hear news, is news of other people, it rocks me to my core. It brings back those moments that I wish upon no one, but it's the trauma that like will live inside me forever. That you can never relate your situation to someone else, no matter how much you want to, or like, I know what you're going through, but you'll get through it. It, my therapist told me this and I love, like, I loved him for it. He was like, you do not put you in that situation. Like, don't put, don't put you in their shoes because you have no idea. And that sounds so simple to say, like, don't put yourself in someone else's shoes. However, you really can't. And the best thing to do is to show up consistently and fervently for time after time expecting nothing in return and you will hope that person eventually will look back and say holy cow x y and z carried me through that and they asked I asked nothing of them and they did everything for me in ways that I could not have done without it um and there are other people that you're like I'm questioning my friendship because holy moly I don't know how to handle this and Jack vetted a lot um we also brought home my angel of a two-year-old mini golden doodle a month after um Emily's accident and I he like she is an angel he always tells me how great our dog is and I but I don't really remember the first like eight months of George's life like I it was very dark I, I, every single time people are like, she's so great. I'm like, give it all to Jack. I did not do anything. I, he got me out of bed. He got her out of bed, slept with her on the ground, crate train, tried to sleep, sleeps with us. Um, but I think as like a, how I think she's like a therapy dog, but it was just something in the time of life that I did not know I needed that now I could not imagine my life without my, my little pup. I wish I could go back to the moment after I finished the eulogy and say, things that I knew about grief now because it is eye-opening, life-rocking, gutting, all the words that you would think with trauma and grief and everything. However, I wish that I could say after the first year, the people that show up, they decline significantly. And I don't think that families and friends are like supposed to you just can't handle that all on your own. And so as the years go on and I see, I don't want to say less love because that's not the case, but just less like prayers, etc. It is harder to keep going because you feel like it's just your family that's been changed. However, that also means that all of the times that you do get those the simple flowers from people at her site that you don't usually see or cards or cardinals or you know whatever that it makes it that much much more special but I really wish I could go back to that room and say okay go pick pick a date in your calendar right now two years three years five years from now and just set yourself a little reminder and say text the parents text the daughter and say or bring food three years after because that's that's when it counts that's 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 I just, I wish I could, like, that's what I'm trying to do for people that I'm walking through this on, on their side with. And it's tough because it's, it's hard not to focus on your own life, you know, like, yeah. it's just, you want to be there for someone 
like they were there for you, but also now we have weddings and we have baby showers and we have people getting married and all the things and grandparents turning or have 50 years of marriage and whatever and all the happy moments that make, make life so full and so well lived and worth celebrating. Um, you also have people who are trying to make it through those days in with as much happiness and light as they can, but knowing that it looks drastically different because they don't have the one person that they want there. And I think that's, I mean, I've learned a lot about that too. I'm so sorry if any of this caused any, you know, emotions to come up. I really felt like grief and loss was the topic that you 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 could uniquely speak to given the fact that you're in your tw- mid-20s and it's yes. so so intimate to you. Um, I, I really do think just even speaking about it, you're helping a lot of people that are suffering in silence mm-hmm. and feeling like they don't have anyone to relate to um, because maybe they are five, ten years away from what had happened to them and their family. So um, I know it's it's just never an easy topic and I just appreciate you sharing just so vulnerably. I just mm-hmm. – it means a lot that you would – think of others when it's so tough for you to speak about, I'm sure. I think that that's like what we need to talk more about, but it's so, it is incredibly difficult to do so. And a lot of people get it wrong. I'm not saying that I have it right, but it's just such a sensitive topic. And I don't, I almost like, I'm like, I don't wish I knew more about it, but also it's such a part of life that happens so frequently that like maybe hearing other things gives me a sense of what, what will eventually come for everyone. And I think like, that's the key, like, or not the key, just something that why aren't we talking about it more? Mm-hmm. Um, but also in my mid twenties, um, yeah, that's, I, I can't even say it's a gut check. It's, Again, I wish I would not wish anyone, and even for my younger sisters, I had the most time with my my sister Emily. They had less. Um, I think also you're just you feel so robbed for the person who's passed in their life and what it could be, um, and that's another thing that we no we don't really talk about. Um, but wow. Keeping all of that in mind, um, just like everything that you've experienced, the good and obviously the devastating, what do you think, in your own words, living a life well-lived means to you after all of the things that you've been through in your life? The people that you choose to live life with, that's what matters most, Um, that make life so fun and so so livable. Like I, going back to my eating disorder, I went back through all my Snapchat memories and all my Instagram things because I was seeking to find more videos of my sister. Not in the sense that I don't have enough, but because we had our phones out a lot. Like we were a tribe of four girls who were best friends. And I, this is a very objective, but if you lose a chair, chair leg when you have three, four, I don't, yeah, sorry, three chair legs when you had four. It's really hard to sit. You actually, you can't. 
So you have to learn how to not, or how to reset and rebuild. And I was looking through all those memories and I could find videos of me taking, taking videos of food with my sister's laugh in the background, but I did not have me or her on it. It was a picture of food. And I think if anything sticks with you today, that that is maybe one of the worst things to live with. Um, in the sense that it is so pointless. Um, and I wasted years. I don't want to say wasted because, you know, we could talk about it today and stuff. But if I could go back and love my body for what it was, for what it gave me, for what it did, and just be so present with people and with people, memories, life, um, that would be my takeaway. Um, not to say that I wasn't, we all walk through our own endeavors, but if you have control or lack of control in a situation that you can actively choose something different, um, and it's a choice you make, you get to count your blessing that that's a choice. Well, this is, this is just like such a, I feel like a full circle interview. We really ran the gamut of topics and emotions. I feel like sure I'm did. sitting here tearing up. Um, I'm sure people listening are too. And not and not in the sense where it's like necessarily like pity by any means. It's more just you can tell um, just in the way you speak about your sister that you love her so deeply. And it's almost like in doing – continuing on with your, with your blog and everything, um, mm-hmm. it's like a way that you can also move on and not – forget by any means but you you have to you know live your life eventually and I feel like hopefully in a way you you feel like she's a part of that too just based on what I've heard about her like cooking too oh yeah um Emily is one of the reasons that I do this and one of the reasons why I have such flexibility is because um I will tell you anyone who knows my sister and most of you probably don't um she lived a great life. Like I was the oldest, oldest of four. She was the second. And let me tell you, she taught me things that I never thought I would learn. Um, she just, she was a spark in every room and she let, let everyone have it. Um, and I think a lot of that energy in life and like go with the flow. I used to be so type A again, control eating disorder. You know, we, it's, it's full circle there. You, we get that, get that part. Um, and now I'm just like, ah, we'll figure it out. It's fine. We'll go with the flow, whatever. And I would never expect to do such a 180 with like just in life. And I think that's also like, it is never too late to change. You, if you are unhappy, I just strongly urge you to look inward and find the things that do fill you up and to say, is that enough? Is that what I want out of my life? Cause we get one. And if you don't spend it the way you want to, what are you doing? I couldn't agree more. Um, Courtney, I'm sure most people listening are probably following you already, but if not, where can they find you on every, everywhere on the internet, on the interwebs? On the good old web. Well, I am at a page of positivity, P A I G E of positivity. It's a lot of eyes. Um, and all over Instagram, Facebook, um, on my blog, 
And if I had to recommend three recipes that you might want to consider starting out, um, my spicy corn feta dip is one of the most crowd-pleasing appetizers ever. Uh, then go with the uh, spinach feta turkey burgers. They have ranch seasoning in them. And everyone who writes a review usually says that their husband who doesn't like turkey fell in love with these. So you're welcome in advance. And then um, I would have to go with my mom's carrot cake, which going back to the whole baking and things, that one's just good for the soul. You don't have to look too too closely inward for that for that sugar count or whatever. We're just going to ignore that. That's that's the best dessert on the blog, though. Um, I share recipes, three recipes, almost three recipes a week, and I'm on my Instagram stories. You'll see a lot of food. Um, I do have highlights covering grief, um, behind-the-scenes blogging, my eating disorder. I do ha- I'll do. i put it in the show notes for Kayla, but my eating disorder journey. There's blog posts about Jack and I and how we moved to Atlanta. Um and, you know, one day we will get engaged, and there's already a blog post written about that. So we, we keep you in the loop around here. Um, I do think it's fun to chat without, with giving you, like, a perspective of life, but also while uh, keeping my loved ones as private as I can because they're, they're mine that I get to, get to live with. Um, so that's it. eating disorder is the easiest for me to talk about because it's all about me. Right. Um, and everything else is you just get little bits and pieces of that. I think that's a perfect balance and you just you have such a light about you and I feel as though a lot of people can look at a page, no pun intended, and <laughs> think, wow, you know, this person's like a professional and I feel like that's kind of what you get when you go to your page. Um, but just knowing what you came from, just knowing you before this became so big and and successful, it's just amazing to see someone so hardworking and so just genuinely good succeed in this business because there's a lot of people that don't. Um, so I just give you so much credit and I just really appreciate you sharing just everything and you didn't have to. And I know for a fact people listening will certainly benefit from all the wisdom you shared from things that you learned from business to your own personal life and beyond. So I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for everything. You bet. And I love chatting with you, Kayla. You have been a mentor in the space for a while. I love that we connected so long ago, but also like same hometown and everything. Um, And just look forward to future conversations we can have with your audience. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kayla underscore underscore Brandon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.